Uncommon Commons is a horror anthology podcast written by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Content warnings can be found in the episode description. Stay tuned till the end for information about the Uncommon Commons Patreon. Today's episode is Happy Wife, Happy Life by Alex Vitale. John, why don't we ever throw dinner parties? I'm sure we're just waiting for the right reason. A funeral? Know anyone that died? No, but I might be able to make a recommendation. Good! Nothing brings people together quite like burial rites. I'll take your word for it, Jane. You know, I don't think I've ever actually been to a funeral. Really? Oh man, you are missing out! You have? Oh yeah, loads. Whose? Hmm? Oh! Um, my uncle. Your uncle? Yes, my uncle. What's his name? What? It's his name. Oh, you know. No, I don't. He's Uncle Grandmason. Did you say Grandmason? Sure. Why not? Oh, I'm so sorry. How did he die? Uh, he jumped his motorcycle... Over 14, 15 flaming yellow school buses full of orphans. He, um, well, he landed on the other side just fine, but one of the orphans had a knife. Oof. Yeah, it's a closed casket service. Well, why haven't you told me about this before, Jane? Well, it only happened this morning, so... Oh, maybe it's an invitation to the wake. <laughs> maybe. Let's see. Set the table, we're coming for a vi- no, that's addressed to occupant. Huh, not falling for that one again. Oh, here's one for you. Thanks. Hey, when you're done, maybe you could tell me more about your uncle. You know, keep his memory alive. Yeah, maybe. Anyways. The house was a ranch style, with a round red front door and porthole-style windows flanking either side. A much larger rectangular window stood in front of the living room, and Nancy had the horrible feeling that if someone really wanted to, they could step past the shrubs in the front yard and look directly into the house. She was grateful that the master bedroom was situated at the back of the house, and even more grateful that the smaller, nursery-sized bedroom sat right next to it. She was less grateful that Roger had already taken the liberty of painting it blue. Nancy hauled most of the smaller boxes through the front door while Roger and the movers handled what little furniture they'd brought from home, or rather from her old apartment. 67 West Lakeview Drive was home now. Nancy had to keep reminding herself that as she tried to push down her reservations. Reservations, she privately insisted, that were only caused by the misnomer of a street name. As she lugged a particularly cumbersome box labeled Office up the driveway, the front door of their neighbor's house swung open. Out walked a woman wearing the most gaudy sweater Nancy had ever seen, colored an ugly mauve that clashed with her bright red hair. She made her way over the lawn, waving Nancy down as her own high heels sunk into the sod. Hello, hello, she called chipperly, bustling over. As she once again found solid land on the driveway, she took a moment to compose herself before speaking. Hi, you must be the new neighbors. My name is Gloria. Gloria stuck out her heavily bejeweled hand. Nancy shifted the box of office decorations to one hip and freed a hand to shake, offering what she hoped was an equally friendly smile. Nice to meet you. My name is Nancy. My husband, uh, Roger, he should be somewhere around here. Oh, I'm sure I'll meet him soon enough. 
Oh, my. A cheeky smile spread across Gloria's face as she glanced down, noticing the small bump that was Nancy's belly. Well, how far along are you, honey? Oh, only about two months, she replied, shifting the weight of the box again. You're having a boy, Gloria said definitively, nodding toward her stomach. That's what it means when your tummy hangs low, a sweet little boy. It's too early to tell. Nancy winced at how icy her voice sounded and added quickly, Only time will tell. Just you wait, Gloria continued knowingly. Whether she sensed Nancy's discomfort or simply was done talking about the baby was hard to tell, but all the same she dropped the subject. Instead, she peered around Nancy at Roger. He was in the process of helping a mover haul his desk through the garage. That's a cutie you got there, honey. How long did you say you two have been married? I didn't. Just since July, Nancy replied, glancing at the wedding ring on her finger. Roger hadn't had the time to get her an engagement ring. Something in Gloria's demeanor changed, and her gregarious smile spread thin and tight-lipped. I see you. Well, I'd best get back inside. Marty will be home in a few hours, and I really should finish the housework. With that, she turned and marched back across the lawn without so much as another word. Nancy called out some half-hearted invitation to tea later that week, or perhaps dinner, but it was only met with a wave of Gloria's hand. With a sigh, she returned to her task and brought the box inside. It took a long time and a lot of energy to bring in all the boxes, but once it was done, Nancy felt a weight lift off her shoulders. As the last box was set on the floor, Nancy sunk onto the sofa. Most of the furnishings in her new house had been there when she and Roger had arrived, part of the deal that Roger had with his employers. It was nice enough, Nancy supposed, though the sofa was hardly comfortable for a sore back. Yet she reasoned that beggars couldn't be choosers, so she sank down and let her eyes flutter shut. What are you snoozing for? I did all the heavy lifting. Her rest didn't last very long. Nancy cracked open her eyes to see her husband standing over her. He wore a smile, but there was an edge to his voice that made her sit up. I was just taking a break. The baby didn't do any of the lifting. Come on, up you go. Roger took her by the elbow, coaxing her off the sofa. At least help me unpack a little. It was easier to concede than to fight it. Together, Nancy and Roger ripped open boxes and put away their contents. That lasted about twenty minutes, until Roger stretched and cracked his back. Whew, the move has taken more out of me than I thought it would. I'm going to go take a nap. Without waiting for a response, he stepped around the remaining boxes and headed for the bedroom. Nancy heard the door shut, and the loud click of its lock. With a sigh, Nancy brushed the hair out of her face and plopped down on the sofa. The energy had all been thoroughly zapped from her body, as if someone had popped her batteries out and left her on the rug. Part of her thought a cup of tea might help. The other thought the idea of getting up was equal to torture. The most she could force herself to do was sit up straight and survey the remainder of the work to be done. A number of boxes still lay strewn across the living room floor, with some decorations placed haphazardly around the room in places that did not suit them. Though what caught Nancy's eye was a little hardcover book. It sat askew on the company-issued coffee table, bright and colorful against the dark wood. Sitting up straight, Nancy reached over and picked it up, turning it over in her hands. The book was a creamsicle orange, adorned with light blue lettering that proudly bore the title. It declared, in no uncertain terms, How to be happy in your home life. Next to the block lettering stood a cartoon of a happy little housewife, apron pristine and a shiny smile spread across her face. For a moment, Nancy thought she looked familiar, until it dawned on her that the cartoon lady just had the same hairstyle and color as she did. With mild intrigue, she flipped through the pages. The table of contents listed the chapters out neatly, 
all what one would expect from a self-help book like this one. It was filled with the usual boring tripe, outlining just how a woman should take care of her house and of her husband. It even contained some recipes. Nancy's eyes grew half-lidded as she skimmed over the first chapter. On page three, the little mascot had out her little squirt bottle and rag, her smile still wide. The pages described deep cleaning methods, ones Nancy had never even thought of before. And remember, said the mascot through a round little speech bubble in the corner of the page, to give your bathtub a shine like never before, scrub it down with some baking soda before going in with your usual mixture. Remember to give it some elbow grease to get any nasty stains out. The next few days proved just as exhausting and tedious as move-in day. On Monday, Roger had to return to work, and Nancy was left to her own devices. She had managed to put most things away, and after a while, 67 West Lakeview was starting to feel like a home. She even found a place to display her MD. Fat lot of good it would do her now. She had new responsibilities, to Roger, and to their baby. By the middle of the week, Roger had begun to get frustrated with the state of the house. When I get home from work, Nance, he began on Tuesday night over a dish of casserole, I want to come back to a nice, neat house. I mean, there are dishes in the sink that were there this morning when I left. Nancy made a point of doing the dishes after dinner. On Wednesday, Nancy ignored her morning sickness in favor of cleaning the house. She reasoned, in Roger's defense, that she had let cleanliness fall to the wayside as she unpacked, so starting with the kitchen, she began to deep clean. The dishes and the dusting went by rather quickly, though the floors took a bit longer. As she worked, Nancy found herself checking the self-help guide for tips. Surprisingly, the book held a lot of useful information, and the deeper she cleaned, the more she found herself consulting it. By the time she was done, the house was sparkling like new. Whoever had last left her the book was a lifesaver. Even the toilet and the tub seemed to glow a new shade of white. That is, until morning sickness took over again. Roger didn't notice. As he got home from work, he kicked off his shoes in favor of his slippers and trudged mindlessly into the kitchen, barely even greeting his wife as he did so. Nancy followed him, setting his dinner down in front of him as he sat down. "'Casserole again?' Roger's face drew back in a sneer. Nancy nodded, a strained smile on her worried face. "'Yes, dear, I'm, I'm sorry, but don't you notice anything different about the house?' Hmm? For the first time since getting home, Roger seemed to realize where he was. He looked up and cast a glance around the open, dining-living area, nonplussed. You put the decorations up. Oh, your doctorate. Not that silly. Nancy tried to keep her voice even, pushing down another wave of nausea. I cleaned. Doesn't it look good? Oh, said Roger. I, yeah, I guess it looks fine. The nausea overtook her. Nancy lifted her plate and scraped the contents into the trash. The plate was quickly washed and stored, and she rushed through the parlor towards the bedroom. The book's little mascot flashed a broad grin as she passed by the coffee table. Suddenly, it seemed less helpful than before. Where the tips were once perfect for Nancy's needs, its smile now mocked her. It said, Good luck getting vomit stains out of the bedroom carpet. Roger didn't talk much to Nancy over the next few days, and Nancy didn't attempt to initiate any lasting conversations. She wished him a good day at work each morning and welcomed him home each night. Roger took to eating his dinners in front of the television, and when he grew tired of Nancy's casseroles, he would bring home a TV dinner instead. One day, while sweeping the garage, Nancy found his stash of them in the mini-fridge out there, along with a sizable collection of beer. She filed that away in her brain to talk to him about later that evening, but she didn't bring it up, nor did she the next day or the day after that. Weeks went by in this fashion. 
Nancy's belly grew bigger, as did the divide between her and her husband. Each morning, after Roger left for work, Nancy would sit on the sofa and nurse her tea. Once, she even attempted to properly invite Gloria over to join her, but that invitation was ignored, too. Her only companion was that little blonde mascot on the cover of How to Be Happy in Your Home Life, which she hadn't opened since they moved in. By the beginning of her second trimester, Nancy found her home life insufferable. Roger slept with his back facing her, blaming the baby bump for not leaving enough room for him. As she lay awake, staring at the ceiling, Nancy made a promise to herself. She wanted things to be perfect for the baby's arrival, and she would do whatever it took to make that happen. Roger would be happy here with her, whether he wanted it or not. You might not be able to change the person, but you could certainly change their attitude. The next morning, as Nancy waved goodbye while Roger backed the car out of the driveway, her heart felt a little lighter. She returned inside once their Camaro was out of sight around the corner. She hadn't felt morning sickness in a couple of weeks, and despite the aches in her lower back and the soreness at her feet, Nancy felt good. She let her right hand rest on her stomach while she opened her self-help guide to the second chapter. The way to any man's heart is through his stomach, declared the mascot, depicted waving a wooden spoon through the air. The apron she wore bore a striking resemblance to the one Nancy herself tied around her waist, complete with little heart-shaped polka dots. So break out the pots and pans and let's get cooking. The recipe listed was for rump roast and accompanying sides, and was a far cry from the casseroles that Nancy had grown accustomed to making. Comparatively, it was a feast. Still, she knew Roger loved a hearty meal, so she rolled up her sleeves and got cooking. By the time all the sides had been prepared and the roast was in the oven, Nancy barely had time to clean the kitchen before Roger got home. She had never been the neatest chef, and every surface needed a bit of elbow grease to get clean. But as the front door swung open, she dropped the dish rag in the sink and turned to face her husband, glowing with pride. "'Welcome home, sweetheart,' she greeted, maneuvering around the table to hug him. Briefcase still in hand, he returned the hug with one arm. "'What's all this? Are we having guests?' Roger peeked around her at the table, set neatly with sides and the roast in the center. "'No, this is all for you,' Nancy beamed, pulling away to look him in the face. "'I know how hard you've been working, so I wanted to show my thanks.' Roger gave her a pitying smile. "'Oh, Nance, honey, that's so sweet. But I got food on the way home. I, I don't think I can eat another bite.' Nancy's face fell, and Roger let go of her hip. "'Oh, I see.' You should have called and told me. Why don't you pack it up and put it in the fridge? I'll take it for lunch tomorrow. Right, sure. Without another word, Nancy removed the place settings from the table and broke out the Tupperware, silently putting away her magnum opus of a dinner. She cut herself a slice of roast and ate it as she worked. Usually, her food had a little bit too much salt. This was damn near perfect, if a little heavy on the peppercorn sauce. Once again, she tossed the book carelessly back onto the coffee table. So much for its boastful title, Nancy was somehow even less happy in her home life than she had been when they'd first moved in. Yet despite her own frustrations, the mascot on the cover seemed to smile even wider than before. Nancy left the book closed. Roger kept his word and took her cooking to work for lunch over the course of the next few days, but if he liked it, he didn't mention anything. The only reason Nancy even knew he'd eaten it was because the Tupperware mysteriously appeared in the sink. Nancy didn't even bother asking about it either. Mostly, she just floated aimlessly around the house. Things were cleaned at her own leisure, and when her feet got sore, she'd soak them. Roger didn't say much, but he never really did when his mood was sour. The fourth month of her pregnancy came and went. A dark cloud of malcontent hung over the house. Roger existed in a constant cycle of going and coming to and from work, 
all while Nancy found things to do at home. Sometimes she'd do housework. Sometimes she'd stand in front of the mirror and scrutinize herself. In her idleness, Nancy sometimes even flipped through the pay-per-view options on the television. This stopped, though, when she saw a certain set of short films in their purchase history. The triple X's told her all she needed to know. Responsibly, Nancy pushed down the sudden flare of jealousy and anger and mentioned nothing to Roger that night. One dreary Monday, Nancy stood in front of the bathroom mirror once again, poking helplessly at the heavy bags under her eyes. Her hair, too, had lost some of its luster, and she began to wonder where that myth of the pregnancy glow ever came from. As she picked at herself, she glanced over her shoulder through the mirror. Through the open door, out of her periphery, Nancy caught a glimpse of a familiar light orange rectangle. Somewhere in the back of her memory, she recalled another chapter of How to Be Happy in Your Home Life, one revolving around self-care. She pushed herself away from the sink and wandered into the living room. She heaved a groan as she bent to pick up the book and flipped through its pages. Once again, she was greeted by that happy little mascot. That gleaming grin practically beamed off the page as a little caricature applied lipstick in her own mirror. A mirror, Nancy noticed, that perfectly replicated the medicine cabinet in her own bathroom. Need a little pick-me-up? Tired of feeling down and dowdy? Try these helpful tips to bring back that honeymoon glow, read the speech bubble. You'll be back to your old, radiant self in no time. Ugh, what the hell, Nancy said to no one in particular, then to her belly. Mommy's gonna play dress-up, kiddo. Nancy really had a hand it to the book. It had been three for three on helpful advice. It told her to work a little coconut oil into her hair and rinse with cold water, and she did. It showed her how to match her lipstick to the undertones of her skin, and she did. It even showed her how to touch up her under-eye bags, and she did that, too. Between this and the dinner and the cleaning advice, the book had been immensely helpful, whether or not Roger appreciated it. When she was finished, Nancy stepped back and, for the first time in months, admired herself. Then, rushing into the bedroom, she dug through her drawers to find a loose-fitting satin nightie, one that she had received on her wedding day. Roger could have come home at any second, so she quickly got changed and moved to greet him at the foyer. He walked in and complained of exhaustion. Pushing past Nancy, he made his way to the bedroom. Neither Nancy nor Roger said much to each other for the next week. Nancy was thoroughly sick of the depression she'd fallen into. For the first time in months, she had actually felt good about how she looked, and Roger hadn't cared. She'd cooked the best meal she had ever made, and he brushed it off in favor of some greasy bag of fast food. She'd cleaned the house from top to bottom until it sparkled, and he didn't even bat an eye. Nancy had had enough. She dropped down on the sofa and kicked her aching feet up onto the coffee table. The self-help guide sat open to the final chapter. The little mascot, with her perfect blonde hair and winning smile, leaned in as though she was whispering. The speech bubble said, Here's the real secret to keeping him happy. Pamper him. What he really needs is a nice, long bath. Follow these steps and neither of you will have a care in the world. With a huff of effort, Nancy leaned forward and picked up the book. The method was laid out step by step, outlining the perfect bath. It told Nancy how to get the temperature just right and how to get that perfect ratio of water to bubbles. It even told her some essential safety tips. Remember, said the mascot through her toothy smile, make sure no electronics are plugged in near the tub. Be sure to unplug that hair dryer. This was it. This was how she would finally get happiness back in her life. She showered first, dried her hair, and then drew the bath. Nancy prepared it as close to the instructions as she could, following the directions to the letter. 
The bath, once full and finished, was frothy and inviting. Nancy even dipped a hand into the water. It was nice, warm but not scalding, just the way she hoped Roger would like it. He arrived home not two minutes later. There was some kerfuffle as Nancy ushered him into the bathroom to see what she had done for him. To her delight, Roger actually seemed appreciative. It fizzled quickly, though, as Roger sank down into the water. The bubble bath is a bit much, isn't it? he asked. I mean, I'm not an infant. Nancy felt the corner of her mouth twitch. I just thought it would be relaxing. It's lavender scented. And the water's a bit on the cool side, Roger continued, swatting some of the bubbles out of the way. They tumbled over the lip of the tub and onto the floor. Better a bit cool than too hot, right? Nancy edged. Wouldn't want you to get burnt. Why is it so steamy in here, then? Did you shower, too? I told you not to waste water. The bill is high enough as it is. Right. Sorry, she replied, taking her voice up a pitch. I just wanted to save the bath for you, dear heart. Well, you should have just waited to draw it until I got home. I'm practically freezing in here. Nancy paused for a moment, drawing herself up straight. She ran a hand over her belly, and her mouth spread into a thin smile. I'm so sorry, Roger, honey. Let me find something to help with that. She stood up from the tub and grabbed the edge of the sink for balance. Her hand brushed the hairdryer, still out from her own shower, ever so slightly. Nancy turned her back and walked out of the bathroom, closing the door as she did so. She didn't notice as the hairdryer teetered off the edge of the sink. She didn't notice as it hit the water. And she certainly didn't notice as Roger let out an ear-splitting scream. Months had passed since Roger had run off. Nancy had told the cops everything she knew, of course, after responsibly waiting the 24 hours before reporting a missing person. In that time, she had made sure to deep clean the house. Just as she learned from how to be happy in your home life, she made sure to thoroughly scrub down the bathtub with baking soda before its usual cleaning solution. She prepared dinner as well, as she had finally convinced the neighbors to join them for dinner after Roger got home from work. She'd made rump roast, just as the book told her, a little heavy on the peppercorn sauce. Nancy was just as surprised as Gloria when Roger didn't come home to join them. Now, as she bounced her beautiful baby girl in her arms, Nancy prepared to leave 67 West Lakeview Drive for good. She left it in pristine condition. She, too, was in pristine condition. Sure, she still carried a bit of healthy baby weight, but her hair had never looked healthier. Coconut oil really did the trick. Nancy felt as good as she looked. As the final box was loaded onto the moving truck, one of the movers informed Nancy that they'd be heading out. She said she'd follow right behind them. She cast one last cursory glance over the living room, now barren of any of hers, or Roger's, decorations. The only thing that was left was her trusty self-help guide. Though, Nancy reasoned, it had done all it could for her. She left it on the company-issued coffee table. Maybe it would help the next person to live there. Hoisting her baby higher onto her hip, Nancy walked through the living room and out the front door. It clicked shut behind her as it locked. 67 West Lakeview stood empty and waiting for its next resident, and how to be happy in your home life lay waiting for its next reader. The little mascot on the cover, a tan man with curly black hair, smiled broadly in anticipation. So tell me more about this uncle of yours. Oh, well, he was a very skilled surgeon. Uh, why Uncle Father Brother could remove someone's left heart in under 12 parsecs. Wait a minute. 
Sorry, just needed a sip of water. Please go on. Right. Well, uh, um, you know, growing up was very difficult for him. He was often left alone, considering he was an only child. Aren't uncles your parents' brothers? Not always. Besides, I don't have parents. Yeah, that checks out. Wait, he's a surgeon? I thought you said he was a daredevil of some variety. That's what made the stunt particularly dangerous. His patient was strapped to the motorcycle. Wow, he sounds really cool. I wish I could have met him. Yeah, me too. What was that? Nothing. Uncommon Commons is a podcast. It was written and recorded by George Plank and Alex Vitale. Our theme song was composed by Charles Adam Robinson. And our logo designed by Sam Vitale. Our social media manager is Rebecca Tewksbury. Email us directly at zero nullstreet at gmail.com. Visit our socials or support us on Patreon at the link tree in the description below. Rate and review us wherever you get podcasts. Stay, and remember, nothing is real. Hi, it's George. Just wanted to let you guys know that Uncommon Commons has a Patreon. For $1 a month, it gets you access to all of our bonus content, including the common area. Hi there, I'm George. And I don't want to be here. I'm actively dying. How are you doing, George? I'm passively dying, thank you. For $100 a month, you will be rocketed into the void itself. What mere disassociation could not do, we will do for you. What is the scariest horror film? you've ever seen. Garfield the movie. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) If I dropped you in Victorian England, you would be the definition of a madman and you'd be in bedlam in five seconds flat. I would be Sherlock Holmes and I would be solving mysteries. (laughs) Plus exclusive stories not available anywhere else, like Help Wanted. Thomas laid on his bed for what may have been hours. He had fallen asleep after letting himself get carried away by the pizza. The pizza box was torn and thrown across the room after every ounce of meat and cheese and grease had been leached from it. The television was on. On it, a puppet was telling a group of kids about the number six. Suddenly, the oven caught on fire. A small pizza inside had gone unattended for too long. Thomas released the crank and made for the emergency exit. Before he could lay his hands on the handle, the flames from the oven encircled him. So, click the link in the description and join us today. Stay. And remember, nothing is real.